Hello. This is the house on Valencia Street. I'll be your host. I use explicit language. Topics will include the paranormal, ghosts, psychic ability, domestic violence, rape, incest, murder, emancipation, foster care, therapy, recovery, um, Buddhism, uh, <laughs> uh, stuff like this. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you can consent to listen to this or you can choose other options. You can choose. That's important. So, and I like to uh, kind of put a big fence around the house. I'm, I'm starting to learn how to form this place here, this place where I'm present. And sometimes I'm uncomfortable. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I'm joyful. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and boy, the pronoun I, I'm, this is uh, something that if you record podcasts for a living, um, I've heard some people like uh, that I listen to on a regular basis on podcasts say that they get sick of the sound of their own voice. And uh, I now understand that because I, I have not been in a situation where I had to listen to myself and edit things out and <laughs> put it on a friggin', you know, platform. And I'm like, oh, God, it is kind of you do kind of get sick of hearing your own voice, you know, so um, I, I'm getting there. So but you start seeing trends that you're not aware of, like using the pronoun I repeatedly, which is killer. It's killer for content, right? So learning as we go. Um, my goal here is to take up space from the survivor's perspective. Uh, this is, uh, I get to talk about incest and rape and, and emancipation and kink and BDSM. I get to talk about it from my perspective here and no one gets to tell me I'm too shocking as long as I'm, you know, following the law and just sharing feelings and feeling, you know, cause feelings are valid. Although feelings are not facts. I've heard that said before. So yeah, there's not a little place sometimes where I feel like I could just take up space and do that and share that with someone else and so, or go, wow, you know, I had a recall last week and it knocked me on my ass for a day or two and I had to kind of journal or go to some therapy or something. You know, it's kind of hard to figure out. There's support groups for that, certainly. There's podcasts for it, I suppose, but why not do all of it at the same time or a lot of it <laughs> and go to a therapist and go to 12 step and get a perspective check, blah, blah, all that stuff. Sure. Right. So do what you can today. So, uh, let's check in. Um, <clears throat> sharing about my experience with someone who I was very close to in my early twenties, thirties, uh, into my forties. Yeah. We spanned several, we spent a couple decades that one. Um, when something ends and, and you love somebody and you know, it's, uh, you don't have a choice in the situation. It's not fair. And, uh, um, that was working for you, you know, and it was also working for the half a dozen of us that were in the raffle ranges life before <clears throat> his uh, new wife came by. And, um, it was hard, you know, letting go of that friendship. And what happened was after, it was really joyful to remember these things and to be present with uh, talking about, you know, our experiences being in his grandparents' home, talking to him, and maybe not being perfect in the way I communicated it, but they were adamant, you know, one of them was very adamant about looking after his 
interests and, and they saw stuff I couldn't, you know, and uh, like in the others with Nicole Kidman, um, you know, walls were coming down and construction was going on and they didn't understand this was their house, you know, so uh, that's how it felt and that's how they communicated. And again, these people had sentience that was not mine uh, and they were communicating with someone they loved. And I don't know the rules over there, although I can just tell you some things I've observed because I can hear things. And and also, is this delusion? Is this hallucination? It might possibly be that. Like I said, you know, I've had a car I've kept a couple decades, good shape. I've had, you know, stable, quiet, you know, pay my bills. So come on, you know, what <clears throat> if I'm not bugging nobody? And, you know, anyway, so but I, I guess uh, to share with you, it was it it brought up a lot of pain, uh, doing that later. Uh, and I had a day or two of crying about it cause I was sad and it was cathartic, although it was really sad for me to remember this person I'd very deeply loved and, um, had to let go of. And, and sometimes you just, you know, it's been so many years you forgot about it, but then when you go back and you're scooping out that, well, People want to understand psychic ability. People want to understand what motivates someone who has this capacity and what they do with it. And sometimes people like me, I just hide and I, I hide away from people and I don't in interact, which is, you know, part of some other things too, PTSD, yeah, foster care, emancipation, et cetera. Um, yeah, and also sometimes I just end up hearing things or knowing things about people I don't want to know because I can hear it when they walk by or whatever. And again, you could say that's delusion or hallucination, but I think with uh, rape survivors, incest survivors, or people who have had to endure pain or abuse for long periods of time, sometimes you, you'll, because you're broken open by the abuse, you'll sense things differently. Or maybe it's genetic. You know, maybe there's just a genetic predisposition. They put in, I mean, the breeding of a particular racehorse or the breeding of a particular pedigree of a dog. I mean, my God, the geeking out, the industry on this, you know, well, you know, you think about that too. That's why whenever I've had animals, you know, I don't need a particular breed or what have you, you know, the spirit and the soul of the animal. Um, for example, the parrot I had for a couple decades, uh, he chose me in my perception of things. And maybe we could talk about that someday. But uh, they're complex, you know, all kinds of things in that spirit and soul to learn from. Simple things, if you get quiet and listen, I think. Anyway, so today I'm just sharing that, <clears throat> bringing back somebody I loved to talk about what we've lived through, made me cry for a day or two. <laughs> and in between being exhausted from low-paying work and feeling trapped and, you know, looking forward to my... Uh, I got my second vaccine coming. It's about a week or two, man. Woohoo! I'm excited about that. Um, and then there's going to be a couple weeks, and then it's like, okay, I can start my hiking and my, my exercise and all kinds of stuff outside again a little more uh, with a mask in my pocket, you know. So, uh, but I had to do some prayers and some meditation and be present with some tears to bring that information to you. And it was exhausting. And I questioned, I sat there and went, maybe I should just rip this whole thing down. I don't even know. And when I kept praying about it, you know, and meditating on it, God was saying, uh, keep creating. You know, a lot of times there's this process and maybe this is redundant and, you know, I'm enabled gazing, but um, I haven't put myself in a position where I was creating or writing 
for a while because there just hasn't been room for it. You know, you're surviving, going to therapy, PTSD, uh, you know, pandemic, all that stuff. There just hasn't been room for it. And then sometimes it's like, it's just everything busts open. You're like, I, I got to get this out. Otherwise it's not going to get down. It's not going to get documented. So that's part of the, what I felt like I just got pushed beyond my means in some ways. Pandemic, you know, vaccine, poverty, working a bunch, trying to figure out my manage my disorder, you know, um, and, you know, needing resources I just don't have and trying to figure out how to get by, you know, like that metaphor I talked about previously, the spore then the tree, the tree that kind of can work around a stone and it grows into a big monster plant, but big plant, but there's a stone inside of it that it grew around, which was a trauma. It's always going to be part of its build, you know, and so how do you survive with that, right? So, so some days it's just enough to get the bills paid and, and watch birds while I smoke some weed and listen to a new favorite podcast called Grown Local, which is about Humboldt County. And uh, it's a uh, Billy Wayne Davis, who's a comedian who I found through the Do You Need a Ride podcast uh, with Chris and Karen, a favorite of mine. Um, but Billy Wayne Davis has this Grown Local podcast. And um, he also has a fellow named Mike, who's a, a pot farmer out of Eugene, Oregon. And so uh, these people... Uh, um, Humboldt County has a, a significance to me and my family. So um, I didn't know about it, uh, but I'd like to go back and just go back to my roots in a way and see kind of feel what it was like. Cause I, you know, I mean, there's Tamales Bay nearby and there's all kinds of things to check out. And um, so this grown local podcast, I believe, is it Ron Funches? Is that his voice for the voiceover? Um, it combines really good music or music you want to hang out with, smoke a bowl, and then listen to people talk about growing marijuana or cannabis, you know, and um, uh, there's documentation. I, I, you know, the doctors who gave me my medical card in the past, uh, I've had the medical marijuana card. Um, so if a doctor's prescribing this to me to manage PTSD symptoms, you know, that's a doctor prescribing me that for PTSD symptoms, and I'm going to trust that, right? So... Anyway, um, and now with recreation being legal, we don't have to worry about that so much. But in Oregon, it's a 20% tax. So, so uh, yeah, grown local. It was nice nice to hear people that are interested in things. I'd love to grow. I don't feel comfortable in my location growing here. Uh, but I'd love to just have a little hobby farm, four or five plants, and just kind of, you know, take care of them, talk to them, you know. I don't know. Uh one day, someday. And, you know, not, again, it's just the purpose of being present with this really beautiful plant that gives me some help sometimes, right? So, anywho, uh, uh, although one thing I will say about Grown Local, very bro, very bro. And if a woman's on the series, she's either a wife of a guy or, you know, hey, he's going to be his wife on this show. And it's like, oh, so a woman to be on the show has to be an option, you know, so it's got a little bit of that bro energy stuff. And they have women on. I appreciate that. Although that's one thing I really struggle with the cannabis industry. Um, I go to women-owned dispensaries. I, I'm mindful of that. I'll, not all the time, but about half the time I'm going to a women-owned dispensary, a person of color dispensary, an LGBT dispensary. But well, actually, do I have any LGBT uh, business? I'll say LGBT business, like, you know, custom-made jewelry I had made once. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. You want local uh, I prefer if you can try to figure out how to do it. Sometimes, you know, boy, Target, that's a great store for online orders, aren't they? I think there, there's some 
people that have got us through this pandemic, you know, and also ordering your groceries online and having them delivered or picking them up in the parking lot. You know, at first I was like, this is a big old pain. And I was like, so for less than five bucks, someone will haul their butt all over that store and pick crap out. And I'll just show up and say, give it to me. Here's some money. I I was like, okay. (laughs) I mean, you have to go to the store that, you know, is a big chain that can support that structure, you know, um, which is a bummer because they're small, they're smaller, you know, companies I'd like to support, but sure has been nice to have these big old systems to plug into so you could uh, survive and kind of limit your exposure during COVID and all. So, um, so I, I guess I'll just conclude a little bit on that and say that I, um, my heart was heavy with pain and grief over remembering a close friend of mine that you forget your knowledge sometimes and you forget the building blocks to get you where you are now. Like, you know, I feel comfortable around guns now, you know, I, I, you know, you got to be mindful of how you use them, where you keep them. You got to keep them safe. You know, there's gun safes. There's all kinds of things you got to think about when you got a, a lethal weapon like that. But uh, this was part of my education, and I was grateful for that, you know. And it was limited, too. Uh, there were some limitations, and there's some things about that friendship that he made some poor choices that really hurt me that I'm not talking about because you don't need to hear about maybe some of that. But um <clears throat> So I forgot, you know, that when you're using yourself as content, especially when it's deep, old, you know, glory days, I guess, isn't that what Springsteen was singing about? (laughs) Um, It also is going to bring back some pain when you're like, well, I miss that person a lot. And, you know, he made, you know, his wife made him make choices and he was just fine with it. So, you know, a bunch of us were gone out of his life because of it. And uh, he had to make a decision and he did. And uh, so, but I missed that part, you know, and uh, part of me understands and part of me is like, how could you let us walk, all those people walk out of your life because people had supported you for decades, you know, anyway. So I I felt pain and grief over that. And I was just experiencing it. And I had to do some prayers and meditations over it and burn some sage, which is, you know, sometimes it's just like people, you know, going to their Catholic church and having incense and walking into a confessional and thinking that, um, you know, a person is a connection to a deity in particular. There goes my scratchy voice. I'm going to have to take a lozenge. Pardon. I made a poor choice. I chose to. (laughs) What? When you're going to sit down and record a podcast, why would you start munching on some seasoned sunflower seeds? Why would you do that? Well, maybe because you're hungry and you're not eating as much as you should, but maybe you ain't thinking about your podcast quality. <laughs> eh, oh, well. Okay, give me a second here. Hmm. <clears throat> All right. Thank you for your patience. So, so I'm here, and I, I was avoiding the microphone for a while because I was like, ugh that hurt remembering that. Although I'm really glad that in my following meditations with that, what I was hearing was it's important to remember you loving somebody. And it's also important to remember when you were loved, especially if you're autonomous or if you have love, that's a different kind of love. Going back to that Kafka quote about in the end, you're going to lose everything you love, but in some ways it's going to come back to you. Love's going to come back to you in a different form possibly. And also maybe Kafka was a pedophile, but also he made great art, which I'm conflicted about that, right? Just like Lolita. Oh my God, Nabokov. Oh, 
I don't even know if I can go off on Nabokov right now. Um, uh, Lolita is beautiful work. I mean, Lolita is beautiful language, and it's fucked up. <laughs> Projection, transference, artificial escal escalation of a child to adult status uh, to justify pedophilia. No. You know, so it's, it's difficult. Um, I'm acknowledging that I have conflicted feelings. I'm also sharing some of the art. Um, and like with Frida, with uh, Salma Hayek, acknowledging the art and also acknowledging the environment, honestly, from the survivor's perspective of what it was like. For example, people may not know that Salma Hayek described vomiting while Weinstein forced her to get on top of Ms. Judd, her close friend, and they're still friends. And Ashley Judd was just in a big old accident. I'm sorry about your leg. Um, although um, she also was in a high-risk climb in a high-risk environment and something high-risk happened. And so that's part of that. I have this strange feeling of like, okay, when you go on K2, when you're climbing in the Himalayas and you end up with, you know, frostbitten fingers that get cut off and you're surprised. Well, it's not, well, no, they're not surprised. They intellectually know, but there's that exceptionalism. We talk about that or I hear that in media in Europe and some other places, uh, American exceptionalism or USA exceptionalism, which... Uh, I see the trend and um, uh, sometimes I have to check my own ego and pride and see what I'm doing because sometimes um, in my early studies with indigenous um, tribe and tradition work and sweat lodge, uh, I was given my, my first teacher, <laughs> uh, Algonquin, she taught, she told me a couple things about just showing up and wanting stuff kind of, which I, I, I recognize it now. Because uh, there's a particular race, gender, and socioeconomic demographic trifecta in this country. And also statistically with uh, empathy disorder research, 16 to 17% are going to be culturally have empathy disorder. But 80% are going to be one particular gender. Uh, and they've studied it statistically. And we know which gender that's probably going to be. So... Um, but uh, gosh darn it, I got lost in the science and that. Now I'm seeing all those studies on empathy disorder in my damn head. <laughs> and I lost my fucking thread. Aww. Wah, wah. Well, I was going someplace good. I had a big old fucking point on my... Well, lost it. Okay. Anyway. Damn. Well, maybe we'll come back to that. So the point is, uh, I'm grateful that I had some great memories with a great friend. I'm grateful that I have I have some pretty good darn toot and good friends these days. Although I think when you get older and you get more stable, maybe you don't need the sensation or the simulation the same that you did because also you understand it might be denial. It might be distraction. It might be look anywhere but the cause, you know. So it, it's kind of painful too to look back sometimes and see that you're at a particular growth stage and you're perceiving people from that perspective and then later 10 20 years later you're more informed and you go oh that's what I was going through there of course I was upset and frustrated and of course you know when I talked about it they wanted me to shut up because whistleblowers with wage and gender and race stuff they don't get um heard and if they do they get targeted they get um you know burn the witch right okay so 
And I got some feelings on that. Okay, so let's just say that it was hard because I was also in a situation where it didn't matter what I did in that environment. I, I was never going to get treated fair. And a bunch of people acknowledged that it was fucked up and it was still, they they were fine with it. <laughs> Everybody was just fine with it. And the friends that stayed there, uh, you know, because it fit them. Okay. Yet at the same time, it's like you also understand that they're, women and people of color are leaving this group because they're not fair, you know, and, um, everybody's just fine with it. Fortune 100 hardware company. Okay. Bye-bye. And then you're like, I put 15 years of my life into that. <laughs> and then when I left that, when I left that career, I was 50 pounds heavier and I was diagnosed with high blood pressure, which I still struggle with every day. So, um, and that's why there's yoga, there's meditation, there's, you know, changing your diet. There's stopping caffeine. I miss caffeine all the time. And I'm about once a week, I have a cup of coffee and it's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, <laughs> cause it's, a, I have to be careful with it cause I have to compensate with my body cause it, it's not so good with it because I spent years drinking way too much coffee. And if you want to abuse caffeine, IT is a place for you. Let me tell you, there's some things I wanted to discuss today uh, regarding, Concepts about the house on Valencia Street, mostly um, psychic ability a bit. And before I was referring to this book, but I didn't realize I was referring to this book, and I'm bringing it up again. What does it feel like to be a psychic? What does it feel like to read people? Okay. There's lots of p interpretations on that. But if you're trying to figure out, well, what's the intention of this person, right? First, you have to figure out, is it science versus emotion or int intuition? So first, check yourself and go... Uh, is this masculine thought? Is this science and data thought? And am I using an incorrect tool to evaluate? And, uh, you know, using a sledgehammer when you need a screwdriver ain't going to work, you know, sometimes square, square, round peg, that kind of thing. Uh, so, um, so what's it feel like, right? What's it feel like to try to read? Well, uh, and, and actually, do you try to read or is it just something that happens? For me, it was something that happened. And also, when you're in a hellish situation and you want to get out, you need information. Sometimes it's fantasy. Sometimes it's real information. It's, you got to sort that. It takes time to figure that out. And, and also just like people got a batting average, a psychic can have an average as well. I get to be wrong 30 to 35%. If a batting, if, if a professional basketball player, or a professional baseball player gets to have a huge chunk of error that's just statistically built in. If you, I get the same standard. Okay. And if you don't let me make mistakes too, then that's not fair. So um, that then there's something else going on and it might be kicking back to some old issues that you have about feminine intuition power and probably a woman that was into intuition or maybe there might be some association. So that's some ripe area of evaluation. But today I want to bring up a book. It's called The Snow Queen. The Snow Queen. It's written by an author named Joan Vinge. Joan Vinge, V-I-N-G-E. It's a sci-fi fantasy. Oh, I don't want to get into the debate about what sci-fi was fantasy, right? But that's a whole big old kettle of fish right there. But this book is about, um, let's see, Joan Vinge. Uh, she is a Hugo Award-winning writer. And I'll just quote a little Arthur C. Clarke on her book jacket here, because if Arthur C. Clarke is talking about her, well, that's something, I think. So this is on The Snow Queen by Joan Vinge. This is on her book jacket here. I think this is a future classic. I was enormously impressed. It has the weight and the texture of 
Dune. Hell of an achievement. That's Arthur C. Clarke. Okay. Talking about this book. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this book began a series. There was a Summer Queen. I think there was a couple other follow-ups on it. Why is it significant? Why am I bringing it up? Uh, it talks about the summers and the winters. Okay. In this futuristic environment. Summers are the old folks, the fishers, the people of the land. Now, it's not lost on me that, you know, Jesus, that's a big thing about his myth or his history is that he was a fisher. He came from the sea. He was a fisherman. And, um, you know, his, a lot of his apostles were fellow fisher, fisher people, right? So, um, and many times in these myths, women are erased and women are half the population and we don't listen to women, which it really, I want to hear the, I want to hear the doctrine of Mary Magdalene. I want to hear why she was so threatening that they had to make her into a whore to, you know, say, well, we can't listen to her. Madonna whore. I mean, that's a definition of it right there. Also, today is uh, the 9th of May, 2021, and a bunch of women, girls, schoolgirls were killed in Afghanistan with a bomb. Like 20 of them were killed because they were going to school. They killed girls for going to school. That's why I started this fucking podcast. Because I am sick of hearing about Josh Duggar. And I am sick of hearing about all these people with privilege who go to Mar-a-Lago and have issues with underage children that are girls. And uh, <laughs> privilege race, gender, and socioeconomic status. Okay, before I get off on that one, I could go on that one. Let's get back to this book that it really makes me feel a sense of hope or a sense of understanding. So then this culture, it's got the futuristic winters. And um, the thing I'm going to talk about is the Sybils. And I was talking about that previously because there's a famous Sybil who had a multi-personality disorder that was documented. That was a person who survived extreme trauma. One of the people in my family that was molested by the person that raped me uh, has that disorder directly as a result she feels from the abuse that they survived it, it was different they had different kinds of abuse we were, we were about a decade apart so um but <clears throat> getting back to this so uh that's one form of sybil this form of sybil and joan vinge is about psychics it's a it's a breed of psychics it's genetic okay it's it's in them sometimes you can have intuition and just be skill but a lot of times it's a bred thing and it's a genetic line thing okay remember how i told you it felt like that with my family down my line with my grandma mildred left-handed so if you want to understand i mean it's not perfect and i haven't read the book in about 10 years it's about time for me to read this book and i'm glad i found it i've got two or three versions of it i've given away half a dozen versions of this book over the years or copies of it, and the dust, I like the dust cover art on this one, so it's uh, got a lot of, a lot of the characters in it, but anyway, um, uh, the Sybils, uh, when they kick in, and they're connecting, uh, it's kind of hidden, and it's like cave-like, and they have to kind of be in the right place, they have a system, and they're taught, they're trained, and they go to people, and they're trained on how to do this, and they're picked, the thing is, you can get killed for being a Sybil, the winters will kill you, like, you know, burn the witches. You know, there's going to be a socioeconomic, a race, and gender demographic that are going to be coming after people saying all psychics are fake. <laughs> Male privilege is a myth. Change my mind. These people <clears throat> that are just fine touting their privilege and exploiting people of something that's different in order, because they can't write their own material, and they have to do defiance disorder or a lack, they have a level of maturity that with that art, which is not really... It's something. I don't know if I call it art. It's something else, I think. 
But um, in the book, Joan Binge talks about when these people start reading and they'll click in and they start going input and then they just start going blah, 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 and they start kicking out information. Uh, sometimes they don't remember what they're saying. Sometimes they're exhausted afterwards and they have to replenish for a day or two because it's like an electrical currency thing and they're charged up, charged up, charged up, and it depletes them to learn. They have to reach out. They have to reach out on this tendril and network. In the book also, the winters exploit uh, these dolphin-like, um, all, these dolphin-like, very intelligent uh, sea animals, and they're called mares. <clears throat> and the mares are... Um, they're very intelligent and they, they look over this, this is a whole sci-fi thing, but they look over this really, in, this network of intelligence that's actually built on the winter's land and they're slaughtering the mares because their blood makes them young. So they're drinking the blood of these mares, but they're killing off all the mares. So there's a whole big, you know, inconvenient truth thing going on here. But <clears throat> the Sybils can read, see if Sybils are psychics and in the winters kill them. But the winters who have the sci-fi and everything like that, they're also killing the mares to exploit them. So, and I'm running out of time. But if you want to know what it's like to read as a, a psychic sometime, check out the book by Joan Vinge and check out the part where it talks about Sybils. There's a lot of things that are very familiar to me. And um, sometimes when I'm reading, I've given you an example or two. I, I kind of talk like a robot, you know, because it's like I'm seeing something in between. And I, it's, I'm just an interpreter, you know. Anyway. Thank you. Uh, please know you're not alone. I want you safe. Uh, there's books. Uh, there's um, so support groups. There's all kinds of things out there. Uh, if the first two or three don't quite work, try the fourth. It's going to take some time. It's going to be hard uh, sometimes, but you're not alone. Um, you're not alone. You're never alone here at the house on Valencia Street. You're responsible for your actions. You're responsible for your mental health. Seek a professional if you need them. But you're never alone here, whether you like it or not, sometimes. <laughs>